Eavesdrop on experts, stories of inspiration and insights. It's where expert types obsess, confess and profess. I'm Chris Hatzis. Let's eavesdrop on experts changing the world. One lecture, one experiment, one interview at a time. Genevieve Camilleri was headed for a career in biotechnology when she veered towards a post-grad diploma in visual effects at the Victorian College of the Arts, University of Melbourne. Leaving her science degree to follow her love of film has literally put her name in lights. Jen Camilleri was a nominee in this year's Academy Awards for her work on the film Love and Monsters in the category of Best Visual Effects, a significant nod given the competitive nature of film and special effects. Jen Camilleri sat down for a Zoom chat with Dr. Andy Horvath. Jen, you worked on a number of films. Give us a list of some of the films you've worked on. We might have seen them on Netflix. Yeah, so I've worked on a lot of films. So I've been in the industry for maybe about 11 years now. Uh, I've worked from films from like Ted to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Captain America, Civil War, SpongeBob movie. Uh, most recently was Love and Monsters, which is a film on Netflix currently that I was nominated for the Oscar for. Uh, but yeah, I've worked on a huge variety of films, like Australian films from like Mad Max, uh, Fury Road as well. Wow, these are really big ones. Now, we can't ignore the elephant in the room. You were a nominee for the Academy Awards in the visual effects category. And that must have been so exciting. Okay, give us your side of what happened it just took me such a long time to comprehend it because the film we were working on it wasn't a huge blockbuster film it was more of a low budget film you know working on it it was fun it was quirky and different but it was never crossed our mind that it would be entered into the academy awards and of course be nominated for an oscar so when i, I sort of found out that they had entered the film into the uh, Academy Awards, I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's never going to get nominated. It's up against these big, massive blockbuster films and huge budgets. So I was I was just like, oh, okay, well, let's just see what happens. And then sort of it made it into the, the long list stage. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, it's made it into the long list. And then it made it into the short list. And by that point, I was like, no, nah, this, this is not real. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, and then they made it into the final nominations, which was just, yeah, it has been absolutely crazy time since. I found out about the nomination. There'd be lots of Australian, lots of women who are congratulating you for even making it to the nominations. That is absolute accolades and kudos in itself. So formally congratulations to you, Jen, for making it to the Oscar nominations. What's involved in making visual effects? You worked on some really big productions, but what do you actually do? Yeah, but it's actually quite complicated and it does take a long time to um, sort of do the work that we created. I don't think many people watching the films don't really understand like how much work and how many people sort of actually go into creating this these effects. But basically there's, there's multiple departments starting from somebody who ingests the, the filmed footage that they shot on set. Uh, and then some, the next person will create a camera that replicates, like a CG camera that replicates the one that was on set. And that's passed to the next department that will create a, let's just say in Love and Monsters, one of the big creatures that would model that CG creature. And then that passed to the next person who animates it and moves him the way that he needs to into the into the footage. And that passes on to the next person who sort of like 
textures him and gives him his color and um, his look. And then that passes on to the next person who then renders out those computer graphic images and is passed on to another department then kind of puts that all together with the, the live action footage. So it's quite a complicated process and there's a lot of people involved in just creating like even just two seconds of a film could involve up to 10 people and in, in a couple of months of work just to get it done. So. Wow, that must be one of the misconceptions. You don't just knock it up in an afternoon. It's a team effort and there must be amazing layers of creativity as each person brings to the monster. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, when it comes to creativity, there's no right or wrong answer. Everybody has a slightly different view or um, Im- imagines it to look slightly different to, to the next person. So that's sort of the really fun process of VFX is being out to be, be creative and sort of throw out different ideas and try different uh, different things and see what's going to look cool and what's going to work the most for the for the film. Since you've been involved in VFX, how has your industry changed? What changes have you seen? It's still kind of a fairly new industry, but it's a really fast evolving industry in terms of the, the technology and the programs that we use. They're always updating with new tools and, and sort of new um, techniques that we can try and work with. So that kind of side of things has really grown really quickly over the years. You know, just in the course of a matter of months, you might have this new tool that's then implemented in the, in the show that you're working on and people have to learn sort of how to use that new tool as well. How important is the immersion into storytelling? That's really the, our job in terms of what we create is to help build the environments that these films um, are shot in. So for us, it's, it's the most important thing really is, is trying to get the, the story point across. So, for example, in in Love and Monsters, it was uh, set in a post-apocalyptic or monster apocalypse. So these monsters, there was like these mutations and these monsters sort of grew into these giant grotesque creatures and and our job was to to help sell that environment that they were part of and that there was this monster apocalypse and these creatures are now taken over the world and it's like everything's overgrown and it's being destroyed and lots of destruction. So... Without the VFX to kind of that film to sort of get that across, it would have been a very hard idea or very complex onset builds. So obviously, you know, it would have taken a lot of work to build up that real environment is when VFX is employed to sort of create those environments digitally instead. So it's a post-apocalyptic film and the humans are forced underground and uh, without giving anything away, it's kind of a bit of a love story or a search for love. What do the monsters metaphor? Yeah, well, I guess the monsters are kind of the guy that is the the main character. He he's seen as this little bit of a you know, a wimp, I guess. And the the monsters along the way are sort of building his courage up and and getting him to sort of learn and discover and, and develop himself along the way. And these creatures they come across as these big scary scary creatures but they also have these kind of like soft side to them and this innocence to them as well so it's it's I think it's kind of a mixture of that and and the boy the guys the main characters Joel's experience of coming across these creatures and and facing his own fears and and things like that so it's obviously a fantasy movie um and I hope to never encounter um, huge monsters as you've described them but it does have its serious moments too so this is lovely mixture of comic sort of moments but also serious moments that must be incredibly difficult to conjure 
Yeah, and especially when, you know, you're creating these digital characters, there was a scene at the end with the the giant crab and uh, we had to get this sense of sadness in its eyes and just also relief once uh, the main character, Joel, had sort of released him from his sort of captivity and, and chain that was holding him trapped. So to, to create that digitally was, you know, a lot of research into actually what is it um, in a human's eye in a way that creates this emotion. And it's a combination of adding like these little teardrops to the watery eyes from the way the muscles contracted around the eyes and even just to like the colours and textures that were built into the character's eyes just to sort of help give it this innocence and, and to see a look. Wow, that's amazing detail for, well, I mean, after all, they're big budget or semi-big budget films. Oh, I dream of a semi-big budget podcast. <laughs> Moving on, now you started life in a, in a different sort of way. You studied at the University of Melbourne in science, in, I believe, biotechnology. Yeah, so straight out of uh, high school, that was kind of like what I was good at. I was kind of good at like, you know, biology and, and math and that sort of stuff. So I just naturally went into a, a, a degree that sort of catered that. Um, but I also picked the, a double degree in media and communications just because I was always had this personal interest in uh, filmmaking or films and, and that sort of stuff. So I kind of wanted to still keep that in the mix as well. Then I, I sort of st- first completed the first year of that course and then I went to the second year the first day of that and it was a five-hour chemistry lab and I walked out of that chemistry lab and I was like I'm good at this but it's I just don't enjoy it I just don't see myself sitting in a chemistry lab for the rest of my life uh doing this and so I then took a a little bit of time off six months to just kind of figure out what exactly is it I want to do and at the time my dad was working for a TAFE uh, in Victoria, and they had this uh, multimedia course. And he's like, why don't you just give this course a go? It's kind of a mix of different things. It's it's kind of the stuff you enjoy, like being on the computer and also being creative. So I did a few subjects in that TAFE course, and I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh, this is, this is great. You get to be technical and creative at the same time. So I then went on to enroll in a uh, degree in uh, multimedia and digital arts at Monash University. I completed that degree and yeah, I really enjoyed it, but it was just really broad. So it was everything from film editing, web design, to animation, to 3D modeling. And that was all great, but I really wanted to focus in on one particular area and skill. And then I heard about the postgraduate diploma at uh, Melbourne University specializing in film visual effects. And so I kind of looked into that and I was like, this actually sounds perfect. It's like exactly what I want to do. It's mixing live action footage with computer generated graphics and you're making a film at the same time. So I, yeah, I rolled into that course and it was spot on. It was like exactly what I wanted to specialize in. These turning points were kind of serendipitous in a way. Would you agree that most careers are that way? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was more of just, you know, finding something that I was passionate and really enjoyed. I think I resonate with that. Now, what piece of advice about careers would you share with others? Because you've inspired many. But if people are interested in this area, what advice do you have? To be honest, for me, it's following what you enjoy. I think if you do something that you really enjoy and you're passionate about, you're going to succeed at it because, you know, you're putting your, your heart into it. 
and then to get paid for it as well at the same time is is just a double award, uh, reward there. But in terms of like getting into VFX itself, it's quite a technical and creative industry. So finding a balance between learning between both of those things, I think, is is really sort of important. There are not many women in this industry. I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, since I started it to what it is now, it definitely has improved. But in terms of the supervisor positions, there still isn't that many females at all. Um, I've never worked with one myself that was in my position uh, before. So it's kind of, I feel sort of honoured to be in this position as well at the same time. Um, but I think it, it might just be more of sort of a knowledge thing. When I started out, I didn't know this was a career. I didn't even know it was sort of, a, you know, this job existed. So it was a bit more of an education thing and, and knowing that there are these kind of courses and, and jobs out there. So I think now since when I started to what it is now, there's a lot more courses available um, in this sort of industry. So I think it is just people are coming a little bit more aware of it now and sort of getting into that into that field. And I think as well it's inviting the, the females into the more, it might be seen like, you know, quite technical sitting behind a computer, but it's also really creative at the same time. So it's just sort of sharing that, that knowledge. You've really demystified it for me because I hadn't thought that a two-second scene might take months and a whole team of people. That is amazing. How did COVID um, disrupt your life as a VFX specialist? Yeah, well, normally we always had to work inside a studio environment. They're really quite strict on security and, you know, the risk of the film being leaked onto the internet before its release date. So up until before COVID, it was always you had to come into the office under strict security conditions. Then obviously COVID happened and there was still a lot of work that needed to be done, but um, obviously people weren't able to head into the studio. So then most studios across the world worked into creating a, a system where they could work from home, but also have the, the security of the work covered as well. So it, it opened up the door to um, huge amounts of people sort of being out of work from home in, in different locations across the globe because it is quite it's quite a niche industry um there isn't huge amount of studios available to work in and they're kind of all spread across the world so a lot of people like myself as well we I sort of traveled to Canada and I spent a lot of time in Canada and I've moved to different cities to sort of like expand my skills in VFX but since COVID now that's it's kind of opened the door to remote working and working from home. So it kind of allows people to live in one city but work on a film that's being produced in a, a completely different city or country. And the Academy Awards for 2020 were sort of online or via satellite. Um, how did that work? <laughs> what a shame you weren't able to actually attend and, and sort of, you know, um, absorb the vibe of being one of the nominees. I, yeah. I really feel for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I got to miss out. I missed out on going to LA. I mean, I did look into going there and, and it, it was going to be out of be a possibility, but the issue was that I would have to quarantine for 24 days uh, to be able to attend the night. So it was like 10 days quarantine in, in LA and then the 14 days quarantine back in Australia. And I sort of just had to weigh it up and it was just going to be a bit too much for a one night event to sort of be locked up for a, a month in a hotel. So th there was obviously a lot of other nominees in the same position across the globe. So the Academy then decided to set up a few satellite um, locations across the globe where the nominees could attend those and still be part of the ceremony live, uh, but obviously in, in their chosen location. 
So for me, uh, I'm currently located in Sydney. So they set up a satellite studio here. And there was also another nominee, Sasha Baron Cohen, who is currently in Sydney. So he also attended that satellite location as well. So, so you still had to gown up? Yeah, yeah. So we still had to, um, yeah, it was pretty much all the exact same process, just in a different location. So, and, and it still felt like we were part of the, the academy. So especially being live, sort of a live broadcast. Yeah, once again, congratulations. We're, we're so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, next time we see some visual effects that make us go, wow, on the screen, what would you like us to think about? Oh, to be honest, it's just all the hard work that went into it. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, I mean, even myself, you, you watch films that, you know, that aren't as successful as others and you're like, oh, that was like not such a great film. But even those films have so much work put into them and, and artists working on them that you still have to kind of appreciate all the work that did go into it, even though, you know, maybe it's not the most successful film. So probably just that kind of side of things of just, you know, recognising all the work that do, do goes into these things. Jen, on behalf of everyone, thanks for allowing our demons to become tangible manifestations as well as angels and <laughs> take the form of, of fantasy and immerse us in the storytelling. Uh, congratulations and thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure to share my experiences and nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you to Genevieve Camilleri, Visual Effects Supervisor, Oscar nominee and alumna of the Victorian College of the Arts, University of Melbourne. And thanks to Dr Andy Horvath. Eavesdrop on Experts, Stories of Inspiration and Insights was made possible by the University of Melbourne. This episode was recorded on May 17, 2021. You'll find a full transcript on the Pursuit website. Production, audio engineering and editing by me, Chris Hatzis. Co-production, Sylvie Van Wall and Dr. Andy Horvath. Eavesdrop on Experts is licensed under Creative Commons Copyright 2021, the University of Melbourne. If you enjoyed this episode, review us on Apple Podcasts and check out the rest of the Eavesdrop episodes in our archive. I'm Chris Hatzis. Join us again next time for another Eavesdrop on Experts.